Welcome to the Travel Therapy Mentor Podcast, your number one source for travel therapy information and education. Hosted by travel physical therapist duo, Whitney and Jared. We've been travelers since 2015 and have hacked our travel therapy careers to achieve financial independence and semi-retire in our 30s. We now travel all over the world with our financial and time freedom. If you're ready to use travel therapy to achieve your own financial freedom, join us each month on Facebook Live to learn about a new travel therapy topic or listen to the replay right here on our podcast. If you're new to travel therapy and are ready to get started, contact us to get connected with travel therapy recruiters and companies we recommend by visiting TravelTherapyMentor.com slash recruiters. Again, that's TravelTherapyMentor.com slash recruiters. If you're ready to remove the guesswork and jumpstart your travel therapy career, let us teach you step-by-step everything you need to know to get started and be financially successful as a travel therapist by enrolling in our comprehensive travel therapy course titled Becoming a Financially Successful Travel Therapist. You can visit TravelTherapyMentor.com slash course and use the discount code TRAVEL to save $150 on our course. Again, that's TravelTherapyMentor.com slash course, and the discount code is TRAVEL. And if you're looking for the best way to get your CUs online, as a traveler who's always on the go, you can use our discount code to get the best rate on an annual MedBridge subscription, which is where we get all of our online CEUs. Use code TTM for the discount at MedBridge.com. Again, that's code TTM at MedBridge.com. And last, if you're interested in getting started with credit card hacking to take advantage of free or low-cost travel like we do, check out our top credit card recommendations for travelers at TravelTherapyMentor.com credit. Again, that's TravelTherapyMentor.com credit. All right, and now on to this week's episode. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another Travel Therapy Mentor video. Tonight we're gonna be talking about packing and moving as a travel therapist. We get a lot of questions about what you should bring on your assignment, how do you get to assignments, um, everything with the packing and moving process we get questions about pretty often. We talked about this several years ago, but um, recently we've gotten more and more questions. There's a lot of new travelers getting into travel therapy right now, starting their first assignments. So it's good to recover some of these topics and uh, give some updated perspective, because. Our thoughts are always changing about these various topics. So Whitney's gonna introduce us and I'm gonna give this video shared in a few different groups. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. Um, for those that may be new to our page, we are Whitney and Jared Kazaza, and we're both traveling physical therapists. We've been travel PTs since 2015, so we're coming up on, um, it's been over eight years now, uh, eight and a half years of being travel therapists. And as Jared mentioned, we've talked about this topic in the past, but it's been a couple years. I think it was 2019 was the last time we did a video about packing and moving. So definitely time to bring this topic back around, especially for those of you that may be newer to travel therapy and trying to figure out what to pack and how to pack for travel therapy assignments. So we typically try to bring you guys um, education and information about all kinds of different travel therapy topics. We do these videos every couple weeks or so. Um, we also upload our videos to podcast and YouTube formats. So for those of you that prefer to listen on our podcast or on YouTube, shout out to you guys as well that we'll watch later. Um, for those that are tuning in with us live, we would love if you would just say hello in the comments. I see that a few people are already on live. Hey, Yosef. Yosef is tuning in from St. Louis. Hey, Justin. How are you guys? Thanks for giving a shout out there, Yosef. Um, so we just have a couple announcements and reminders here before we get started on tonight's topic. It's hard to believe it's already December. We're coming up on the end of the year here. I feel like this year has really, really flown by. 
Um, so we just have a few weeks left in 2023. Um, for those of you that are on our email list, we are going to be sending out an end of year kind of checklist for you. Um, some things that you should be thinking about as the end of the year approaches. If you're not on our email list and you want to get that checklist, um, just shoot us a message and uh, we can get you added to that email list so you can get your checklist and make sure you're um, dotting your I's and crossing your T's as a travel therapist as the year comes to a close. Um, we are going to be doing our end of year giveaways. If you're not familiar, every year, the last couple of years, we've given away several $200 gift cards to different therapists that took contracts with our recommended recruiters. So if you are someone who's listening and you have taken a contract this year with one of the recruiters that we sent you and recommended to you, um, make sure to fill out that form because you're already eligible. You just have to send us the form so we can get your entry in. We're also gonna do a giveaway for someone that leaves us a review. So if, you're, if you would like to leave us a review on Facebook or on Apple Podcasts, um, just leave us that review, send us a message with a screenshot of it and we'll get you entered to win a $100 gift card for that. Um, and then the last thing is with the end of the year approaching, we know there's a lot of you out there that are thinking about starting travel therapy in the new year. If you are thinking about getting started as a traveler in the beginning of 2024, um, we'd love to help you get started. Please feel free to send us a message. If you need help getting connected with great recruiters who can help you with your job search, um, you can also fill out our recruiter recommendation form online. So we'd love to help you get started. Yep. Hey, Owen. Thanks What's for up, joining. Owen? Yeah, so um, in terms of packing and moving, uh, the first thing you have to think about is what type of move are you going to be doing? Um, and you know this obviously depends on where your assignment's going to be and where you're driving from or where you're moving from. Um, for example, if you're, say, taking a, an assignment in Hawaii, obviously that's going to be very different if you're going from the East Coast to Hawaii than if you're going from the East Coast to the Midwest. That's going to be a very different move. So the first thing to think about is where's your assignment going to be and what type of move are you going to be doing? Are you going to be flying there? Or are you going to be driving there? 95% of cases, you're going to be driving to the assignment. Um, but there are some situations where you might fly, mostly Alaska, Hawaii, maybe the Virgin Islands. Um, there are sometimes travel contracts in like Guam and things like that where you're going to be flying. But 95% of the time you're going to be driving. Yeah, it's more rare for travel therapists to fly to assignments. Now there are some people if they feel like they don't have a reliable car or they don't want to put all the miles on their car, there are some people that will think about shipping their car and flying to their assignment or um, flying to their assignment and renting a car in the area. Renting a car can really add up. If it's not something you absolutely have to do, it's usually not the best choice. Um, so as Jared mentioned, most travel therapists, if you're gonna be taking a job in the continental US and the lower 48, you're most often gonna take your own car. Um, if you do choose to ship your car, there um, that does give you some options to put some stuff, pack some stuff in your car and have it shipped across the US for you. And then you can bring whatever you need to bring um, on the plane, but do keep in mind there's there's some risk there if you ship your stuff, you know, it could get lost or stolen. Um, so that there's, it's a little more tricky. Um, in addition to that, some people will choose to mail some things ahead, but again, you're kind of risking what's gonna happen in the process of it being mailed. So I would say by and large, most travel therapists, you're going to be packing up everything that you need to bring with you in your vehicle um, and driving to your new assignment. Yeah. and. So we got a lot of questions last year when we, we took an assignment in Alaska about why we chose to drive there. And like Whitney said, a lot of that has to do with rental car prices. It also has to do with how you get all, your, all of your stuff to the new location. So for example, for us, for Alaska, there was multiple reasons why we did it. One, we wanted to do the road trip anyway. I'd heard a lot of good things about the Alcan. We really want to drive through Canada. 
Um, and it was an amazing road trip. It was our probably our favorite road trip we've done in, in the United States or I guess uh, within driving distance, Canada and everything. Um, so that was one reason. The second reason was we looked into rental car prices and especially for two of us, but I mean, even for, if we tried to make it work with one car, which if we were gonna rent a car, we probably would try to make it work that way. It was gonna be like 2000 a month or more. And you know, multiply that by three months and it's, it ends up being really expensive in terms of uh, that or driving. And then also you have to add into that the cost of a flight for both of us. And then we'd have to take more than a couple bags. So you probably have additional um, uh, baggage costs that way. Uh, and it just makes a lot more sense to drive if it's in driving, you know, if it's feasible to do that. And, and of course, it depends on your situation because, you know, a two week road trip or a 10 day road trip is not feasible for everyone, depending on your situation. Um, but and also the time of year could make a difference. But um, yeah, so renting a car is very expensive. It's hard to get your stuff there if you don't drive. Um, for us, like we had our whole van loaded up with stuff that we were taking to Alaska. So trying to think about getting all of that stuff to Alaska any other way would have been really difficult. Yeah, now when we did take a travel assignment in Hawaii, this was the only time we ever flew to an assignment. And obviously if you're going to Hawaii, that's pretty much your only option is, is to fly there, right? You're not gonna be able to take a car. Um, unless you were planning on staying there for a whole year, you could maybe ship your car, but it would be a lot. Um, so we had to really pack light, you know, two, two bags each basically, a checked bag and a carry-on. Um, we may have checked one extra bag, it's possible, but um, yeah, definitely had to really um, pack light. Luckily that was later in our travel career because we'd already learned a lot about being more minimalist and packing light. I would say in the beginning of your travel career, you're probably going to bring too much. You're, you're going to have to learn how to downsize and how to be more minimalistic. You're going to go on your first assignment and you're going to pack way too much and you're going to realize you didn't use a lot of it and that you can do better the next time, but it's part of the learning process. Um, over the years, not only have we had a lot of experience with packing and moving to travel therapy jobs, but we've also traveled quite a bit internationally. And we've learned to be very minimalistic when it comes to traveling internationally. We actually only carry um, or travel with carry-ons. We never check a bag when we travel internationally. And if any of you guys have followed us for any length of time, you probably know that we take multiple month trips abroad. So we've traveled as long as five months abroad only with carry-ons. Yeah, that's not really feasible for travel assignments though because um, you need work clothes. There's a lot more things you need to bring to a travel job than you would like on one of our international trips, but it just goes to show that you can pack a lot more light than most people think. A lot of people are thinking like you're moving furniture and you're bringing all of your stuff and kitchen things and pots and pans and usually that's not going to be the case. Yeah. Just want to give a shout out to some of those that are tuning in. Hey Sarah, hi Annie, hi Kathleen. Say Lake Atitlan? Yeah, um, Annie, our friend from Lake Atitlan, good to hear from you. Um, if anybody is tuning in, if any current traveler therapists, travel therapists are tuning in, um, for example, like Sarah um, is a traveler, I know Owen, um, if you have any suggestions on what you've done in the past, please feel free to leave a comment. We got a lot of feedback this past week um, on our social media from different folks about like different strategies that they used. Um, if you're someone who's new to travel therapy and you have a question, feel free to drop that in the comments. Let us know what you're what you're thinking about. Let us know if you're getting ready to take your first travel assignment. And if you have questions about packing, we'd yeah. love to hear from you. Uh, one other thing to add, when you mentioned our Hawaii assignment, um, same thing with rental cars there, it was very expensive. We actually got really lucky because we looked into renting a car um, before we did some more research. And a car on like Toro or Hertz or somewhere like that was gonna be like thirteen or $1,400 a month. 
um, versus even, I mean, it's close to as expensive as Alaska. Alaska, I think, was a little bit more, but Hawaii is very expensive to rent a car as well. We ended up getting one for $600 a month, which we were very fortunate. We got, uh, we got very lucky there. Um, but in a lot of cases, you're going to be paying $1,400, $1,500, $1,600 a month to rent a car. So something you really need to think about. And there's situations, too. Say you're taking a, a Hawaii contract where you're going to fly there. If you're going to be there six months or nine months, then you might think about buying a car. Some people do that in that situation. Or if you're flying to Alaska, say you don't want to drive up there, you might actually be better off buying a car and then reselling it versus renting for six or nine months because the cost is so high. So that's something else to consider. Some people will do that, especially in Hawaii. Fly there, get an island car for six months, and then sell it before you leave. Yeah. We have a lot of content about specifically our assignment in Hawaii and our assignment in Alaska because those are two very unique places. So if that is something you're interested in, if you're taking a contract in one of those two places, we have both articles and videos that we've done on those specific locations. I would recommend that you go back and look on our website to find those um, or send us a message and we can, we can link to it for you. So but. the next thing you need to think about <laughs> after you know where your assignment is, it, most, most cases you're going to be driving there is to think about how long you're gonna be at that assignment or in the area. Are you going to just go there, come straight back home? Do you have like you know plans after three months that you're coming back home for? Or is this something where maybe you're going from the East Coast to the West Coast and you're planning to stay there for six or nine months? Maybe you're taking multiple, multiple assignments on that side of the country or maybe you're planning on extending a contract. Maybe you're starting with a long contract in the first place. That's going to impact what all you need to bring and what you need to plan for. So another thing that you really need to think about before you start to pack or think about what you're going to pack is what are your plans for this? Is it gonna be across the country? If it is, how long are you staying over there? Are you coming back home? Are you gonna fly back home to visit? Or are you gonna drive all the, back, all the way back home? Um, those kind of things are really important to think about before you start packing. Yeah, this is really important because sometimes you're only gonna set off for just one assignment and then you're gonna have an opportunity to come back home before the next one. But if not, because quite a lot of travelers just are like, I'm gonna bring everything with me that I need for the whole next year because I'm gonna take back-to-back -back assignments before returning home in six, nine, 12 months. So that's something you really need to consider in terms of everything that you're gonna need to bring. It also kind of depends on your home situation. Do you have a place at home where you're leaving things behind and storing things? Is it more of a storage unit? Um, do you have family at home that could say, send you something if you forgot it? Um, so these are all things to take into consideration as you're thinking about planning, um, packing, moving. We have talked to travelers who kind of had like different seasons of clothes where they're like, I'm only gonna bring my warm weather clothes for this six months and then I'm gonna go back home and switch it out for this box of clothes um, for the next thing. We also know travelers that just have everything with them at all times for all options. So you just need to do some advanced planning and know what your setup is gonna be yep. in that situation. So once you have that figured out, you know how long you're gonna be there. One thing you really need to start thinking about here, especially if you're gonna be on the other side of the country for multiple assignments, is what is the climate gonna be like? Cause that's really gonna impact what you bring. Um, you know, if you're, say you're moving from California to New England and you're going in May and you're planning to stay there for six months, well, now you're gonna have to pack warm and cold clothes. You have to think about those kinds of things versus if you're going from New England to California, maybe you only need warm clothes if you're gonna be there six months. It might not be um, as big of a deal to pack really warm or you know multiple different seasons of things. So think about the climate of where you're going. Is it gonna be really rainy? Is there gonna be snow? Um, those types of things can really influence what you need to pack for, for your assignment. 
You also want to think about your hobbies and the types of activities that you're going to be doing in the area. If you are planning on taking a winter assignment in Colorado and you know that you're going to be skiing or snowboarding, well, now you're going to have to bring a lot more gear for your hobbies. Um, and how are you planning to pack that and keep that with you? Um, are you someone who's very outdoorsy? Maybe you have a mountain bike or something like that. Is that something you're going to need to bring? Or are your hobbies something that don't really involve a lot of equipment? Maybe you just like to read and um, do some you know, easy kind of hikes on the weekends and you just need a pair of sneakers um, and a couple books. Like maybe your hobbies might look quite different, but for those of you that are more outdoorsy, that have a lot more hobbies that require equipment, you'll need to take into account like how you're going to bring all that equipment or are you gonna bring all that equipment or are you just gonna rent it or buy it there? Yep, another important thing to think about is the dress code at your assignment. Um, is it one where you're going to be wearing khaki and polo, you know, business casual attire, or are you going to be wearing um, scrubs? And, you know, if you're going to be wearing business casual, you might, have to, you might be able to get by bringing less things because you can kind of use some of those same clothes for, um, you know, weekends and things like that. Whereas if it's scrubs, okay, well, now you have to bring scrubs and clothes for the weekend and, and gym clothes and, and more things there. So what is the dress code going to be like at your assignment? You need to know that before you leave so that you can kind of plan a little bit around that. Yeah, and it's kind of the same goes here for are you going to be gone for multiple assignments? Because now it's like, say you have a stack of scrubs, but you also have some business casual clothes. Do you have to bring all of it? Because you might need one thing for one assignment and one thing for another. Or is this going to be something, again, where you switch out the clothes later or you buy some when you get there? Maybe Maybe you don't worry about scrubs because you don't as often work in an inpatient setting. Maybe you just wait and see if you're going to need scrubs and buy them once you get to that second or third assignment. Um, and also you have to consider like what color is that uh, facility going to use. So you may not want to bring all the scrubs that you own because it may not be necessary um, until later, until you know for sure which color you're going to need. So um, definitely a lot to take into consideration there. Now after close, something else to think about is what type of housing are you gonna have at this assignment? If it's going to be furnished or unfurnished, that makes a massive difference. If it's a furnished place, a lot of times they're gonna have things like pots and pans and plates and silverware and all of that already for you, obviously furniture. Um, whereas if it's an unfurnished place, there is a lot of things that go into furnishing a place. Even if it's just short term and even if it's as minimal as possible, there's a lot more things than you would think that you would need to either bring or buy when you get there. And in a lot of cases, if it is an unfurnished place, then, you know, you can be better off going to like a, a Goodwill or something like that when you get there and getting some of those kitchen things, pots, pans, plates um, that you can use and maybe just donate those back instead of having to deal with packing and taking those with you. Um, that, of course, depends on the situation. Probably the vast majority of the time, travelers are renting furnished places, so you won't have to deal with that. But if you do, we definitely know a lot of people that have um, even taken furniture with them in like a trailer. Um, and we also know people that have rented furniture at a travel assignment. So there's so many different things you can do there. Um, if you have a trailer, you have furniture that you want to bring, then that can make sense. But you know, a lot of times that's a lot of hassle and a lot of extra work. And some people just prefer just rent some furniture while you're there and then be done with that when you leave. Yeah. I would say the vast majority of travel therapists choose to rent furnished places. So under most circumstances, you're not going to be bringing furniture with you. Um, we have heard of people bringing something like a blow-up mattress. I've even seen a blow-up couch before um, or something small, you know, like a beanbag chair or foldable camping chairs. Um, we've seen people get really creative, you know, they pack their stuff in their car with bins and then they just use the bins as end tables or they get the type of um, drawer plastic bins 
and they put all their clothes in those and then they use that as a dresser when they get there. Um, so you'll find different things in different ways that work for you, but I would say the majority of travel therapists are going to um, rent furnished places where you're not having to bring a lot of furnishings with you. And if you do get there and find that you need something, most people will either rent furniture, find something at Goodwill, even some people will ask coworkers or look on Facebook Marketplace for things that are really cheap used. You're not gonna, you know, it, you don't have to live at the most beautiful, beautifully furnished place. You're only gonna be there for a couple months, so you can use hand-me-down kind of stuff. Um, and then donate it back when you leave. I would say that's what most therapists do. Yeah, we have talked to some travelers that think that they're gonna save a lot of money by getting unfurnished places. In a lot of cases, of course you can save money that way, but when you add in the extra hassle and the extra time commitment and the cost of like either finding or moving furniture and all that, a lot of times you really don't come out that much ahead. Um, furnished places are just extremely convenient compared to having to get, because you have to think about things like you have to get electricity turned on and water turned on and how are you going to get Wi-Fi? So a lot of cases, even if you're saving five or $600 a month, you probably just want to go with the furnished place and not have to deal with all that hassle. So that's important to think about. Um, is an unfurnished place, is that what you're planning on doing? Or are you probably just going to pay a little bit more money and find furnished places on each assignment? Yeah. So a common theme that we just can't uh, reiterate enough for travel therapists is minimalism. I think before you become a traveler, you may be somebody like I was who really overpacks and feels like you need so many things. Was? <laughs> I'm a lot better now, you have to admit, Yeah. Um, than I used to be. And so, you know, when you look at travel therapy, you have to realize like you don't need to bring every single thing that you own. You're probably not going to use most of it. You, um, you really have to be strategic in planning out what you're going to bring because it has to most of the time fit in your car. Um, so for, especially for us females, I would say that clothing is a big place where you probably think that you need more than you actually need clothes and shoes. Um, you don't need to bring every pair of shoes that you own. You don't need to bring all your clothes from your closet. Um, really consider that especially most often you're going to be working five days a week. So most often you're going to be wearing your work clothes the majority of the week. And then besides that, you just need a couple outfits that you can interchange on the weekends, um, some workout or, or athletic clothes that you can interchange. One thing I really had to get over when it came to packing for travel assignments was worrying about wearing the same outfit over again. Um, what I've realized over the years is no one is going to notice that you wore the same outfit. So you could literally have five pairs of work clothing and wear the same thing every week. Um, and probably no one's going to notice. Um, you definitely want to make sure that all your clothes are interchangeable, especially if it's like a business casual. That way you can switch it up a little bit with tops and bottoms. And same thing for your weekend clothes. Kind of have a wardrobe that's interchangeable so you don't have to bring quite so many items. As far as packing shoes, I would recommend trying to pick just one pair of each type of shoes. So, you know, one pair of hiking boots, one pair of sneakers, one pair of sandals, one pair of more dressy shoes. You don't need to have five different varieties of each type of shoe. For sure. Um, so those are some things to think about when it comes to wardrobe. I promise you wear less than you think. You'll probably bring a bunch of stuff with you and then realize 13 weeks is over and you didn't wear half of it. We've harped on this a lot. Um, if you've taken our course, you've seen the videos talking about um, packing as little as possible. We've talked about it in prior videos. Um, but it's true, like we started, we packed almost all of our stuff and brought it. We thought we'd need everything. We were like, oh, well, maybe we'll need it. We'll bring it, we'll bring it. And actually we had a camper at the time, so it wasn't that hard to bring a lot of things. But as we traveled more and more, we pretty much every single contract, we brought less things. And like Whitney said, I realized like, why do I need to bring more than five polo shirts if I'm gonna be working in a business casual environment? I can wear 
the same shirts every week, wash them, and you know have no problems there. So um, you really can get by with a lot less than you think you can, and it really saves you a lot of hassle if you do bring less things. Yeah. Now, when it comes to homeware and supplies, like um, things that you're going to need at your apartment, um, it's really good to find out from the landlord, from wherever you're going to be renting, what's already there. Um, so that way you're not bringing a bunch of duplicates of things. Like hopefully you don't need to bring a broom and a mop and a vacuum cleaner and all those things. Hopefully all that stuff's already going to be there. But there are certain things that some people really just can't live without. Some people really you know, can't live without their Instant Pot or their air fryer. Um, so definitely if those things are important to you, bring them. Find a way to bring them and fit them into the car. Um, but you don't necessarily have to bring everything as far as what's at the house um, already, especially things like dishes and stuff like that. They're probably going to have that, or you can pick it up really cheap at Walmart or Goodwill. Um, so you don't need to bring an entire bin of dishes with you unless you just have, you know, a favorite coffee mug or that sort of thing. Um, but definitely try to find out as much as possible what's there and think about things that you can get once you're already there. Another thing that kind of goes along this line is like, paper towels, toilet paper, um, just different supplies, trash bags. You don't need to bring that with you from place to place. You can easily get it at the Walmart or the Target or wherever once you get there. Yep. Um, something we we did bring with us that uh, I would say you, you might want to think about is anything that you really like to use for cooking. So for a lot of people, that'll be things like an air fryer. I just said that. Okay, or an Instant Pot. And we, we definitely always brought an Instant Pot and that really helped us with just saving time with cooking. So you know, even though that was a hassle to bring, it still made sense. So there are some things that I would say it can be better to to just go and get those things, bring them with you instead of, you know, suffering for a few months and not having them. Yeah, that's honestly, those are two things that we hear from so many people, air fryer and or Instant Pot, like must have, must bring kind of things. Um, but yeah, hopefully you don't need to bring a toaster and a coffee maker yeah. and a blender. Hopefully they're going to have those kinds of things, unless you just have like your absolute favorite espresso maker that you must have. Um, but just, you know, kind of prioritize what's really important to you. Yeah. So in terms of organizing things and how you bring them, something that has really helped us is using um, vacuum bags or like the space saver bags. And uh, I remember when we first started using those, I thought it wasn't going to be a big deal, that it re really wouldn't save that much space, but it, they really do work pretty well. And we found this out in our camper because we would... Um, vacuum seal our, our clothes like our winter clothes and put them underneath our bed we had a storage compartment under there and it saved probably it takes up probably three times less space than it would if you didn't do that so that's a good way to shrink everything down and fit more in a limited space so say you're you're traveling in a car that's maybe a, a hatchback or a smaller sedan um, every space that you can have matters in that situation. So you might might want to use vacuum bags to make your clothes a little smaller than they would be otherwise. You can also think about things like um, storage cubes or um, packing cubes. Whitney really likes those a lot. She can fit more in a suitcase or more in a smaller space using the, uh, the packing cubes than she could otherwise. It also makes you stay more organized. So that way you kind of know where everything is. You have like your storage cube for this type of clothing or this type of clothing. Um, and really, again, if you want to organize by season, that's really helpful. I actually forgot that until you mentioned it. Um, that, that was one way when we had the RV that we were able to keep all of our seasons of clothes with us is we would just switch them out. We would put like the winter stuff in the space bags and put them in the storage area under the bed. And then I would switch them out when the season came that we needed to switch it. Um, so if you're somebody who wants to be able to travel with all your stuff year round, that can really save you a lot of space. Something else I think is really underrated that I never knew back before we started traveling 
Um, I used to see, you know, some people would roll their clothes or pack it a certain way. I never knew how much space that really saved until I started trying it myself. Um, the way that you've always been taught to just fold the clothes and put them on top of each other, it really wastes a lot of space because not all clothes are the same size. So if you put a stack of things, but they're kind of jagged and they don't all fit evenly on top of each other, you waste a lot of space. Whereas if you roll them, you can fit things in the corners a lot better. Another one um, that I heard re recently mentioned that I've never tried is called flat packing, where you lay all the items flat instead of folding them. And apparently that can save some space too. Yeah, the rolling clothes, that makes a huge difference. We've, we figured that out on our international trips where we, you know, on a carry-on, we have very limited space and uh, we notice we're able to put a lot more rolling our clothes than if we just fold them normally. So you wouldn't think that that really makes that big of a difference, but it, it can, especially if you're very limited in space. Um, another thing is storage bins. So uh, a lot of travelers have tons of storage bins that they have like a space for everything. And those are great, like Whitney said, for a variety of reasons. One, sometimes if you don't have like an end table or something like that, or a TV console, you can put, you can use the storage bin as that sort of thing, that, that piece of furniture. Another thing is they're easily stackable, so that can really make a lot of difference when you're stacking things in your car, or when you get to your assignment location, maybe you have limited storage space, you can just stack them all the way up to the ceiling, and there's no issue there. So um, storage bins or plastic totes can really make a difference. And even though they cost a little bit of money, I think they're much better than boxes. They don't smash so easily. Um, so it's probably worth investing in a good, um, a few storage bins at least that you can use to pack all your stuff in and have a place for everything when you take it. Yeah, something else to think about is suitcases. A lot of people will be inclined to pack all their stuff in suitcases. Suitcases aren't a bad idea, you know, especially when you're on assignment, you might want to have one or two suitcases with you. So that way, if you take a weekend trip, you can pack or if you need to fly somewhere while you're on assignment, you'll have a suitcase to bring with you. But I wouldn't think about packing all of your stuff in suitcases because you kind of run into that same issue where I was talking about with folding the clothes. If you stack a bunch of suitcases in your car, you run out of room very fast because of the wheels and things. They don't fit in your car um, and optimize the space. So maybe one or two suitcases on the bottom and then use bins and packing cubes and soft-sided things that can kind of shove in different places. Um, it's really like playing uh, Jenga or kind of like Tetris when you're packing your car for a travel therapy assignment, you want to use every available space possible. Yeah, and of course that depends on what type of car you have. If you have a, a big SUV, maybe this doesn't apply as much, you can waste some space, but if you have a small sedan or a, uh, a coupe, you're really gonna have to, really gonna have to, oh, look at that. <laughs> oh, I forgot, that must be some new feature. We, um, Jared put his thumb up and it did a thumbs up on the screen. Yeah, so anyway, if you have limited space, then these things can really make a difference. If you don't have limited space, it might not be as big of a deal. Yeah, and another thing, um, back before we used to have all the fancy little like storage bags and packing cubes and stuff, sometimes I would just throw stuff in trash bags, you know, so it was soft and it would fit in small crevices and things, so. Especially like towels and blankets and things that that's an easy way and they take up a lot of space, so just put it in a trash bag and stuff it in there. Yep, and then you can shove it in a corner. Um, so we're going to go through a few more strategies here, a few more points. Um, if you are watching live, though, we'd love to hear from you. If you just want to say hi in the comments, let us know if you have any questions. We will answer your questions at the end. If you have any feedback or suggestions for other travelers, things that you found that have worked well for you, feel free to leave those in the comments as well. Um, also, if you got any value out of this video, if you learned anything, we'd love if you would hit that thumbs up button um, and just let us know. I saw Ryan was asking about MedBridge codes. We actually got an updated MedBridge code, Ryan. It's uh, TTM now. So you don't have to type in fifth wheel PT, it's just TTM. 
Yeah, and side note um, regarding what I said earlier about like the end of year to-do list, a big piece of my end of year to-do list was to get all of my CEUs done. Um, I did not have any due this year for my physical therapy license, but I did have them due for my athletic training license. And I'm happy to say that right before this video tonight, I finished all of my CEUs. It's kind of early for me. It's only December the 4th. Um, not December the 31st, so I'm happy to say I did finish all of my CEUs, thanks to MedBridge. Whitney's been um, watching CEU videos at the gym like crazy. It's it's kind of weird. Yeah, so I'm glad to finally be done with that. So if you're in the same boat as me and you also need to finish your end of your CEUs, um, if you do need uh, CEUs, you can use our MedBridge code to get those. All right, so just to wrap up here, as we mentioned, packing your car for travel therapy assignments can really be like a game of Tetris, just trying to use every available space. Unfortunately, sometimes you will find that maybe you just don't quite have enough room for everything. So we do know some travelers who will use those car toppers, either the soft-sided ones or the hard-sided ones um, that go on top of your car. We've also seen versions where you have like a hitch um, with a rack where you could put extra bins or things kind of along the lines of like a bike rack, but it can be a storage bin. These can definitely be good options to bring additional things with you, but we do want to warn you that sometimes having these things can set you up for theft. Yeah, we know a few travelers now that have had, like say you're doing a cross-country road trip, you have one of those storage things on top of your car and you stop somewhere for the night. And you know, a lot of times when you're stopping for the night, you don't really know if an area is good or bad. You don't know anything about it. You're just stopping to sleep. Um, we know a few people that have had that stolen off of their car completely or broken open and all of their stuff taken. So if you do get something like that, and even if you don't have something like on top of your car, behind your car or whatever, be mindful of where you park and spend the night if you are going, if it's a multi-day road trip, because if there's a bunch of stuff in your car, it just makes it a much bigger target for people to break in. They know that, you know, the odds of finding something good in your car where you have the whole back seat full is much higher than a car that might be empty. So be careful with that. That would be a nightmare to be halfway across the country and have all of your stuff stolen. So try to choose places that are well lit, obviously. Try to look at reviews, make sure it seems safe um, before you stop and spend the night somewhere. Yeah, gosh, we've had several friends that this has happened to. One of our friends, they stole the whole topper off the top. Another one of our friends, he was moving between assignments and stopped at the Travelers Conference on the way, had a TV and all kinds of things in his car. Somebody broke the window, took his TV, took his suitcase with his clothes and everything in it. Um, so just really be mindful of that when you're moving, even though it can be a big pain. Maybe try to stay more with a friend in a neighborhood where it's safer or take some stuff in with you, especially valuables. If you're going to be staying overnight, um, that can definitely be a hassle as far as moving. We actually know some people too that when they're doing a cross-country road trip like that, they will take all of their things inside, um, inside to the hotel room just to avoid anybody breaking into their car or losing their stuff, which is a major hassle. But you know, if if you really want to be cautious, that's a that's a way to do it as well. You can take all of your things into the hotel or motel that you're staying for the night. Yeah. Also, keep in mind, you know, it used to be the old adage of like out of sight, out of mind. If you could cover up things, like with one of those things in the back where it pulls over or lay a blanket over things, that would maybe make you less of a target. But sadly, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of thieves that have those um, scanners now where they can tell if there's electronics in the car, especially. So we've known other people that have like a laptop, things like that stolen out of a car because they, they were able to scan it even though they couldn't see it through the window. So absolutely always take in any electronics. Don't leave a laptop or things like that in, in the car. Yep. Um, one other thing I guess to mention is if you are a traveler that's going to travel in an RV, then the considerations are going to be very different, obviously. Like I said, 
when we started traveling, we basically, we basically brought all of our stuff with us because we were traveling in an RV and we had a lot more space. So you don't have to be as mindful of what all you're taking in an RV, but I would still recommend that you don't bring way too much stuff because what happened with us is we brought all our stuff and we ended up wearing like one third of the things that we brought. And a lot of it just basically sat in the RV and was just additional weight when you're pulling the camper for, we lived in it for three years. So you think about um, hundreds of pounds of extra weight that you're pulling for years at a time, you know, that, that's a drag on fuel efficiency and things like that. So try not to bring too much stuff that you're not going to need, but if there's things that you might be, uh, you might use that you wouldn't take on a normal travel assignment, but you have the room in an RV, then, then maybe you'd bring those things. Another consideration, we have talked to some travelers that chose to travel with a small trailer, a pull-behind trailer, or bring a small U-Haul trailer um, if they really had more belongings that they wanted to bring. A lot of times this was um, if they had a second person and maybe they even wanted to bring like bikes or a motorcycle or something like that too. Um, or people that always rented unfurnished places and did bring a little bit of furniture with them. I'd say this is more rare and it's definitely gonna set you up for a little bit more hassle with parking, driving, maneuvering a trailer with you, um, like a U-Haul type trailer or that sort of thing. But it is a consideration we have talked to travelers that have done it before, so depends on your personal situation. Um, the last thing I'll say is if you're someone who is traveling as a pair or a couple and you have multiple cars, this can obviously allow a little bit more space for packing. Some people, um, like when we drove to assignments together, we would always drive two cars separately. Some people will tow one car behind the other, but again, if you have a second car, if you have a partner, this is going to make it easier. We've also talked to travelers that had someone, like a family member, come with them and drive some stuff out with them. Um, or alternatively, they had a family member drive in the same car with them so they'd have two people to switch off with. Um, and now if you do this, this is great for being able to switch off, but it's gonna take up that extra seat where you can't put quite as much stuff in there. So just lots of different things that we've heard different travelers do before. We also know um, some travelers that travels a couple that wanted to drive together in one car, which makes sense. I mean, you have like a two or 3,000 mile road trip, you probably wanna be in the same car. Um, and they would load the other car up with their stuff and ship it. And so that's gonna be additional cost. Also, like Whitney said, you're taking some risk there. Not only that something happens to the car, but that your stuff could get stolen inside the car, which would be a major hassle. So think about that. Um, it, I mean, and there's some, some situations where it might be worth it to you, but there's a lot of situations where it's probably better to just you know do the road trip separately, take your stuff, and not have to worry about shipping it, the cost associated with that. Yeah. So hopefully this gave you guys some ideas, um, some tips and tricks on things that you can do to make the packing and moving process easier as a traveler. Um, we'll go through some comments and some questions here. If you have any more comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you, um, whether you're watching live or if you're watching later on the Facebook replay, you can still leave us comments. We'll go back and read them. If you're listening later on the podcast or on YouTube, feel free to just shoot us a message. We'd be happy to answer any questions that you have. All right, so let's see here. Hey Steven, how are you? Um, he says, I'm rocking a Subaru Crosstrek rental for a month because my car back in Chicago sprung a vacuum leak or a bad transmission. Ugh. That's a bummer. Car issues are terrible as a traveler because you know if something happens to your car, either while you're going, worst case scenario, or while you're on assignment, you're trying to get back home, um, that, that can be a major hassle. So uh, we've, we've made videos about this in the past, but when we first started traveling, we didn't have much money. And a lot of travelers, when they start, they don't have much money either. And you're usually driving like an old car. And uh, that was our situation. And Whitney's car had a lot of issues. My car had a lot of issues. And 
as soon as we could, we bought newer cars, not brand new, but newer cars that had less um, maintenance issues or what, less um, uh, mechanical issues. And we think even though it's more expensive that that's probably worth the cost because you can get in such a terrible situation if something happens to the car or if you break down a long road trip that um, having a little bit more car, spending a little more money on it can be um, helpful. Not that new cars also can have issues, but in general, they usually have less issues. It's always such a bummer because you are away from your usual support system. So if your car broke down at home, maybe you have a friend or a family member whose car you could borrow, but now, or who may be able to give you a ride or that sort of thing, but now you're having to Uber and you're having to rent cars and things like that. So definitely some challenges there that can happen uh, when you're moving and you're not familiar with the area. So good luck, Steven. I hope you get that worked out soon. Yeah. It's a bummer. Um, hey, Justin. Justin says, if you're traveling as a team, would you recommend trying to make it work with one vehicle while it's your assignment? For example, dropping your partner off at their location if it's close enough, or would you recommend having two vehicles? This really depends. I would say one thing it really depends on is how far away your assignment is. If it's, you know, if you're going three or 400 miles to an assignment, then probably just take two cars. It's not going to be a big deal. If it's all the way across the country or maybe Alaska, then maybe driving two cars doesn't make as much sense because that's a long way, a lot of gas, a lot of extra cost to take two cars. Uh, another thing that really will depend there is, you know, are you going way out of your way to take the other person to work? Also, are your start times the same and are your end times the same? Because that can make a big difference. We've had situations where we pretty much only used one car um, when we worked at the same clinic and you can make that work especially if you are at the same clinic, but it is a lot lot more hassle. So I would say in the majority of cases, probably taking two cars makes more sense. But if you're really trying to save costs or you have a really long drive to get to the assignment, then you can obviously make it work. It's just gonna be a little bit more hassle. I think it really depends on your discipline and which settings you're gonna work in as well. So as you start thinking about traveling as a pair, um, if you're less picky, um, like if both of you are open to trying whichever settings are available, um, and depending on which discipline it is, if there's more job availability, you're gonna have a lot more opportunity to get two jobs that are exactly as close as you need them to be, or sometimes even in the same facility. Whereas if you're a little bit more picky, or if you are of a discipline that it's less likely that there's as many jobs, you might be put in a situation where you're having to really settle, um, and the jobs might be further apart, or that sort of thing, where it won't be feasible. However, we have met a lot of couples, um, at least a couple of, of couples that we've talked to that have worked in the same place all the time and always had one car. Um, I was surprised to learn this just recently about some of our friends um, that they, I think it was Haley and TR, they're a PTOT team and they said that every single assignment, they've always been in the same building. And I'm like, wow, how did you guys make that work? Like that's pretty amazing. And so they've always been able to drive together. However, with Jared and I, we've hardly, you know, maybe about 50-50 have we worked like in the same building or close enough together that we could have commuted together. Um, there's been quite often where we were further apart or had different schedules or and we couldn't make that work. we're on the opposite side. So like maybe we're living in the middle and Whitney had to go east and I had to go west. That would have been really difficult for one car. So it really depends on where your assignments are, where you're living, um, those types of things. Yeah, so there are some travel pairs that make it work with one car, but I would say the majority of them, such as ourselves, always had two. Um, let's see, Steven said regarding um, uh, packing stuff, stuff I, I think car. stuff on top of their car. He said, I would ratchet strap them down during the day while driving and just try to keep an eye on it. Um, yeah. And then he said before, I had a two-door coupe Toyota Camry for two years traveling. I installed a hitch and rack in the trailer hitch. If I look, if it looked like any risk for theft, I'd 
lug that and the luggage into the hotels. Yep. Yeah. Great idea. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's better to be safe than sorry in that situation. Ryan says, what about buying a semi-truck and sleeping in the cab? I mean, it's been done. I'm sure it's been done. Sure it's been done. Yeah. People do some crazy things. Um, Yosef said regarding doing CEUs at the gym, whether or not it showed up on my Spotify wrapped, no. But if, um, if MedBridge did a wrapped, that would be interesting to see. No, it's just on the MedBridge app. Hey, Jonas. Hey, Mona. Hi, Liz. Hi, Jasmine. Hey, Danica. Yosef said, would one pair of underwear suffice? Probably not. I think now, it'll work. Now, if you did two pairs, yeah, then you, you could be two. wearing one, wash the other. Yeah. You know, really being minimalistic there. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. All right, let's see if there's any other questions. Hey, Sarah. Sarah is an experienced travel PT. She says, consolidate your closet into an all-year-round closet. I don't bring any kitchen appliances with me. I, do, I decrease my shoes to what I would be wearing daily or in that season. I don't pack bulky books. On occasion, I'll bring a book. I bring the main items such as clothes, medicine, essentials, toiletries. That's it. I think I had for the season. Yeah. Yeah, that's good advice. Um, really try to bring the, as little as you can. It makes a big difference. Owen says, another thought for getting stuff there. If you're needing consumables approaching the end of your contract, just don't buy it either until you get there or order on Amazon and ship it to your contract address. Yeah, for sure. That's a good idea. Yeah, things like um, food items or um, paper towels, those kinds of things. Definitely think about getting at the, toward the end. Um, now, you know, you don't want to be wasteful. Obviously, if you have some of that stuff from the last assignment and you have a little bit of extra space to pack it and bring it with you, bring it with you. Um, but I wouldn't like go out of your way to buy a whole pack of paper towels and travel across the country with it. You know, they'll have paper towels when you get there. Yep. All right. Well, if there aren't any other questions, we'll wrap up tonight. Hopefully this was helpful to you guys. Feel free to reach out to us. Also, our friend Morgan, who's a travel occupational therapist, she wrote an article for us, um, a guest post for our website on this topic, and she gave a lot of her own personal tips and tricks. So feel free to head to TravelTherapyMentor.com and read her guest post. Yep. We'll link that in the comments as well. All right, guys. Well, hope you have a great night and uh, happy rest of the year. We'll probably see you one more time. Um, we'll probably do one more video before the end of the year, one more topic. And then we're going to also do a separate video for our end of the year giveaways. And that'll probably be sometime around December 30th because this year we are leaving on December 31st to head out of the country on a big trip. So stay tuned for that as well. Yep. That'll be exciting. Six weeks, another six-week trip out of the country. Maybe our last one. We'll see. Yeah. All, All right. right. Take care, everyone. Bye.